I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome along to this week's La Liga Lowdown Match Day Recap, also broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157, I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and this week we're looking back on all of the drama of Match Day 16. It was a really exciting match day, with hat-tricks for Lionel Messi and Joaquin, with a Valencian derby comeback, and with some shifts at the bottom of the table. We'll be discussing all of that in this episode, starting with what happened at the Camp Nou. Quick step up by Baba. Laid off Roberto. De Jong. That was the sound of the excited commentary in response to Luis Suarez scoring one of the goals of the season, if not the goal of the season. Not only was it an audacious backheel chip over the Real Mallorca goalkeeper, but it finished off a lovely team move with Frankie de Jong as the conductor. That was one of the five goals that Barcelona scored in their 5-2 win over Real Mallorca. Antoine Griezmann got the opener and Messi netted a hat-trick. All of the goals were exquisite and La Liga lowdown's Alex Fitzpatrick was their pitch side for La Liga TV. Alex joins us now and firstly, Alex, can you just describe what it was like to be one of the closest humans in the world to five truly excellent Barcelona goals? Yeah, I was sat probably about a metre and a half away from the touchline, two metres at the most and, and ground level. It just gives you a very, very different perspective sitting at that level. I think we can all see on television how fast the game is, but when you are at that close proximity, the game is so much quicker than it looks on the television and you can appreciate totally um, the the speed at which Messi thinks, moves um, and just, just in a position where he has, for any other player, a lack of time, he manages to not just move the ball on or not just get a shot away, but get a shot away with such precision. Uh, such accuracy, such brilliance. In the second half, you would have been on the touchline where Junior Firpo was playing. What was he like and what was Valverde like in terms of communicating with the left-back? Because I felt he was often out of position and not where he should have been. I was quite surprised, actually. Uh, it's the first time that I've seen Valverde live and been able to spend a little bit of time watching him. And he's present uh, at the front of his technical area but very stoic and doesn't tend to move not a lot of encouragement for the players not a lot of instruction 
and I think perhaps Junior Firpo would have uh, would have benefited benefited from a little bit of instruction during that second half, and it was down that flank where Mallorca got a little bit of joy. It was the side where the cross came from Fran Gamez for Budimir's headed goal, and yeah, I think I think any any player wants that in-game guidance from their manager. And it was in stark contrast, really. Uh, I think Mallorca probably have one of the most animated benches in La Liga with Vicente Moreno and Danny Pendin uh, constantly taking it in turns, but someone is constantly on the edge of the technical area barking out instructions. So, yeah, Valverde was particularly quiet, not a lot of communication, almost as if he'd done the hard work during the week with the players and then it was kind of like wind them up during the week and let them go Uh, and what would be would be and obviously in this case it was a resounding victory but perhaps Junior Firpo would have uh, benefited from some further instruction. There was another assist for Mark andre Ter Stegen. Can you describe just how impressive it is for a goalkeeper to already have two assists this season? Ter Stegen, yeah. Quick thinking more than anything. Um, Obviously a good degree of accuracy on the pass as well, but quick thinking. A little bit different to his first assist of the season. Looked quite similar, but but a little bit different. So his first assist of the season went over the top of the defence and Suarez latched onto it to dispatch. Whereas this one, I think there was a little bit of an assist in there from Fran Gammes as well. So... Gamez rushes out towards Griezmann and really if he misses that ball which he he obviously as we know now he does Griezmann has a free run in on goal so a little bit of an assist from Ter Stegen a little bit of an assist from from Frank Gamez in terms of a poor decision and, and totally missing the ball but you know to have two assists as a goalkeeper um, particularly at this stage of the season is is just incredible well, Mallorca, though, they didn't give up. How impressed were you with their attitude? Mallorca's attitude, it continues to impress, but it doesn't surprise. I mean, we've talked about it on uh, on the show before. That is Vicente Moreno through and through. That is him. That is his values. That's what he's instilled into this team across the two to three years that he's been. Uh, this now is third season at the club. And his motivation of the squad and... Um, keeping them going it's just probably the biggest strength that he has as a coach the psychological side of it they kept going they got the uh, they got a couple of goals back when it looked at one stage like it could have been a cricket score and uh, there was a little bit of pride now they will have walked out of there with their heads held high on Saturday night and that's important because they go away to Celta Vigo next week finally what did you think of Cucho Hernandez as he made his Real Mallorca debut Cucho, yeah, well, lovely to see him for a start. He's been at the club now for two to three months since the signing was announced, but recuperating because of this hamstring injury that he's had. Uh, not even on the island. They were uh, Watford wanted him to recuperate in Madrid and finally got his opportunity, came on and played on the left-hand side um, of a, an attacking three. And I think he's going to make all the difference to Mallorca because this season so far, out of necessity, Vicente Moreno hasn't fancied the quality of some of the players that have been brought to the club. So out of necessity, Danny Rodriguez has been playing wide rather than central. I think he's better suited to playing central. I think Danny Rodriguez had a good game 
uh, on Saturday. Kucho will go out wide. He, he almost scored at Ter Stegen. Got, managed to get his big hand up and his long arm stretched out and made the stop after it, uh, after Kucho's shot took a, a slight deflection, deflection off Ante Budimir. So I think he's going to bring pace to the side more than anything else, which is definitely something that Mallorca are lacking. And with Kubo and Kucho, uh, flanking Ante Budimir, there's definitely a much more attack-minded side there. Thank you, Alex. Now, Messi wasn't even the oldest player to score a hat-trick this weekend. That's because 38-year-old Joaquin did so too in just 20 minutes. Ahí está Alex Moreno, balón interior para Joaquín. ¡Qué golazo! Otro. Madre mía. Joaquín, Joaquín, Joaquín. Gol, 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 gol. Mira, mira, solo otra vez, solo. The Real Betis captain was truly brilliant. He is just simply brilliant. And remember, we have a special podcast all about Joaquin and his story a few weeks ago. Check that out on our feed if you're interested to learn more about the Super Spaniard, who's shown he still has it by helping his side to a 3-2 win over Athletic Club. There was another 3-2 win on Sunday evening in the battle between the league's two newest coaches, Javier Aguirre at Leganés and Oscar Garcia at Celta Vigo. They'd had three matches each before their meeting, but remember that Leganés had had to visit Real Sociedad, host Barcelona and visit Sevilla. Very difficult. This fixture was more winnable for Leganes, and they did indeed win it. Sam Leverage was there for La Liga lowdown, and Sam, what did you make of Aguirre's first win with his new club? Yeah, Leganes' first win under Javi Aguirre, and only the second win of the season as well, both of them coming at home now, but it was the first time they've been quite so emphatic. I mean, three goals was an impressive feat, even against this Celta Vigo defence. But after the game, it was interesting. Aguirre spoke about the fact that Leganes would have a newfound confidence after this result, but they definitely seemed to have that on the pitch on Sunday night. It was a hugely improved display. I mean, they would, it was a similar approach, a similar setup to the past few games, but they just looked so much more confident, so much more settled in what they were doing. They looked a lot more comfortable in, in what Aguirre was asking them to do, and they just flowed a lot better. They, they were pulling things off, where in the past few weeks, you've seen them trying it and it's not quite worked so definitely a big cause for optimism for Leganes fans even if late on they did have that comeback from Celta Vigo which looked to threaten them but but they held on and they got the three points which will certainly have a big impact in the next few weeks and across the whole season even in that relegation battle. Oscar Rodriguez got two of the goals how good is he can he keep Lega up? Yeah, Oscar's been a key player for Leganes I mean since he joined them last season at the start of the season on loan he's just kept on improving he's kept finding a bit more consistency a bit more quality it's hard to imagine that he'll be back at Real Madrid next year but you never know there might be another move for him in the summer I think he's probably ready for a step up from Leganes' level but whether he can keep them up himself single-handedly it could be a challenge I mean Leganes kind of needed a, a talent to do that but I'm not sure Oscar has kind of that consistency just yet he's certainly got the quality to do it on his day as we've seen against Celta Vigo but I think he's trying to bit more consistency and do it on a regular basis to to really establish himself. Out of Leganes and Celta Vigo, which of these two teams has the best chance of staying up and why? 
It's a difficult question. I mean, you look at the two team sheets, you look at the squad lists and you think, how on earth are Celta Vigo down at the bottom fighting with this Leganes team? But on the pitch, they just didn't compete. Everything that Leganes went for, the second balls, the 50-50s, Leganes always looked to be the more likely team to come out on top. I mean, Celta have a lot of talented players, Iago Aspas, Denis Suarez, Rafinha, but none of them are quite on their game. And when they have that, those defensive concerns at the back and you just question whether this Celta side will be able to grind out the results. I wouldn't be particularly confident backing either team to stay up. But Leganes are a team that do seem to be improving and, and grinding out those results. Whereas Celta Vigo, no real signs of improvement and no real signs of the kind of fight that they need to pick up a few results to get the points on the way. Thank you, Sam, for giving us the lowdown there. We've got so much more to discuss and we'll move on to Real Madrid's win next. We'll do so after this short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back to this week's La Liga Lowdown episode as we recap match day 16. We've spoken about Barcelona, joint leaders on 34 points and with them are Real Madrid. Roman de Arger joins me now to discuss this one. Roman, they beat Espanyol 2-0. Was it a case of Real Madrid being good or Espanyol being bad? Well, I wouldn't really go for either because, I mean, Espanyol were much better than we saw them uh, last weekend against Osasuna. And Madrid, on the other side, weren't maybe as good, although it has to be said that they had the better chances. They probably dominated most of the game. So it would be more their merit, I guess, than Espanyol's in this case. Another goal for Karim Benzema. Just how good has he been this season? Well, I mean, he's been phenomenal so far this season. There's no doubt about it. The numbers are there. I mean, he scored in La Liga 11 goals in 15 games. And he's also given five assists. So he's such a complete player up in offense. And also that chemistry with Zidane is fantastic. Every time Zidane coaches Benzema, he gets the best out of the Frenchman. He just uh, plays better every game. And he's scored so many important goals also this season. So uh, credit to Zidane, credit to Benzema for keeping up this form so consistently. It's not just Benzema who's scoring though, there have been 15 different scorers now for Real Madrid after Varane got one of the goals on Saturday. They're the team in La Liga with the most different scorers. Does that surprise you at all? It's definitely a very surprising stat because you'd expect players such as Karim Benzema and then Hazard, Gareth Bale, um, for them to get most of the goals. Like for example in Barcelona where Messi, Suarez and Griezmann have the bigger chunk of goals for the club. So this is like a statistic which you'd expect from a team with uh, fewer stars maybe and, and more a compensated mid-table team. So it's, it's a very surprising stat, no doubt. You said before that you didn't think Espanyol were too bad. Coach Pablo Machin said the same thing, but I personally thought they were really poor, especially in attack. So what was it about them that you liked? Well, if you compare it to the game against Sosasuna where Espanyol got thrashed 4-2, there are clearly improvements which we could detect in this game. 
Uh, for starters, Espanyol's defense was way better this time. Uh, they were much more solid at the back. Madrid uh, created opportunities, but they did struggle to get the goal. And also with the help of a fantastic Diego Lopez, it wasn't right till the end that Madrid uh, managed to close the game with Benzema's second goal. Apart from that, Espanyol's high pressure was really good. Madrid had difficulties uh, playing uh, from behind with the ball. And also Espanyol moved much better as a whole, as a block. So it seems like they're getting a better idea of how this formation works. And that's really important if they want to save themselves from relegation. Mm, I just wasn't as convinced by them. I think they still need a lot of work if they are to survive. And Machine was asked about January signings in his press conference after the game. What kinds of players do they need? For starters, Espanyol definitely need a striker. I mean, these uh, last few seasons, they've been good teams because they've had really consistent and goal-scoring strikers such as Gerard Moreno and later Borja Iglesias. So that's something which they're craving so badly because the, the strikers they have at the moment are just incapable of scoring enough goals to keep them in mid-table positions in La Liga. And also, I'd really reinforce so many other positions taking into account that it's not just La Liga. Uh, they're going to go into a more serious phase of the Europa League Oh, the Copa del Rey is about to start and Machin has already used 27 different players. It's good because he's depending a lot on the youth system, which is positive. But at the same time, if you're going through such a difficult moment, you need more experienced players. You need quality players. So apart from that, he should maybe sign a fullback and maybe a defender and a couple of others. But we'll see what Espanyol can manage in the winter market. Thank you for that, Roman. Now, let's turn our attention to the derby between Valencia and Levante. Herman and Valencia, Paco Pollock was all over this game where Levante raced into a 2-0 lead and then ended up losing 4-2 for Valencia's first win at their rival's ground, the Estadio Ciutat de Valencia, since 2012. Paco, what was different about this game? Why did they win this time around? Two things worked for Valencia this weekend. Their good form on one hand and that Levante's defence was in shambles. It really, really was. We'll touch on that later, but let's put the spotlight on the way Valencia managed to turn around a very, very tricky situation in the first 30 minutes of the game. Being 2-0 down, 90% of the teams would have given up and focused on not getting destroyed in the counter. But Valencia's players were ambitious and they managed to turn it around, basing their attack on a pretty easy strategy. Give Parejo the ball, then link with Rodrigo and let Gameiro finish the job. The Frenchman and the Spanish international striker were huge in this game and you can add Ferran to the list with another goal which makes three for him this season. Very, very impressive for such a young player. You mentioned the Levante defence, so let's talk about that now. They had all five of their first-team centre-backs injured and had to give a debut to B-teamer Eliseo Falcon, who got sent off, and they also had to play Koki, a right-back at centre-back. This experiment didn't work too well, did it? I wouldn't actually call it an experiment because really I don't think Paco Lopez had other choice. They have really been a very, very unlucky last few days for Levante with injuries piling up in the most critical spot of the team and no possible replacement in sight. Eliseo did his best, but obviously the game was too much for him and he got two bookings. And then Koke had one of his worst performances in the last three seasons in Levante. I mean, the only silver lining from the team is that they never gave up and the effort was there absolutely throughout the 90 minutes. But with so many problems in their squad, they could only get so far. Jasper Sillison was an injury doubt in the build-up to this match and the Valencia goalkeeper then had to go off with an injury, but this was a different injury that he picked up, right? 
It was an absolutely different injury and the feelings surrounding the keeper aren't really the best because he wasn't too lucky with Rogers' opening goal. The striker finished in such a way that the ball seemed quite you know, stoppable, easy to save, but it squeezed between Silesen and the post. He had suffered back pain in the days before the game, but the injury he suffered against Levante is related to muscle pain in his right calf. The big news is that he will definitely miss the game against Ajax, possibly the biggest fixture for Valencia this season so far. Kevin Gamera was a goal-scoring hero. Which other players were key to this win for Valencia? I already talked about Gameiro, Rodrigo and Ferran. I would say Jaume Costa was pretty solid in the left, starting instead of Jose Luis Gaya because Celades wanted to rest him before the game against Ajax. I would also like to point out Carlos Soler as an all-around tactical solution for the manager. And finally, the sub-goalkeeper Jaume Domenech, who seemed, in my view, very, very confident and looked pretty good, especially as it seems Thielsen might miss a few upcoming big games. Thank you, Paco. The other Valencian community side, Villarreal, also had a huge match this weekend as they hosted Atletico Madrid. This was a game that was supposed to be held in Miami, but in the end, it was held at Villarreal's home stadium. And that was problematic for Atletico Madrid. They don't like playing there and have now failed to win in each of their past five visits. This time, it was a 0-0 draw and that means Atletico Madrid have drawn eight or half of their 16 La Liga matches so far. It's not looking good for them. In what Diego Simeone has called a year of transition. They're now down in 7th place, not even on course to qualify for Europe at this point. Sevilla and Real Sociedad, meanwhile, are the two sides who find themselves in the Champions League places, along with Barcelona and Real Madrid. Sevilla are 3rd on 31 points and Real Sociedad are 4th on 27. Although neither of these teams won this weekend, Sevilla were held to a 1-1 draw at Osasuna, a very tricky place to go, even if they did see their home unbeaten run ended in their last home fixture. Although Osasuna were down to 10 men for the final half hour, Sevilla just couldn't take advantage and went home with just one point. It was a similar story for Real Sociedad. They visited Real Valladolid, who are quite unpredictable, but more often than not, they're competitive and tough to beat. So it proved, as Real Valladolid held Real Sociedad to a goalless draw. Tafe are also in the European mix. They were away at Ibar this weekend and it was a very busy game for the VAR team. Three offside goals in this one, two of them for Hitafe and one for Ibar, but there was one goal that did count and it was scored by Angel Rodriguez. A really nice finish actually from a tight angle. That 1-0 win puts Hitafe into fifth and they're doing much better than most expected this season. I think most expected a drop-off after qualifying for the Europa League last year. Ibar, meanwhile, well, it's not looking good for them. They're still outside the relegation zone, but they lost another home game that they'll feel they could have won, just as they did at home to Espanyol and Alaves. Worrying times for them, indeed, and even more so because their star man, Fabian Oriana, got himself sent off in this loss to Etafe and will now miss their next match. We have one more game to talk about, and I'm really excited to do so with Heath Chesters, a fan and journalist in Granada. He saw Granada defeat Alaves 3-0, on Saturday, with all three of the goals coming in the second half. What changed between the first and second half for Granada to take advantage? Well, it was actually Alaves that made the strongest start at Nueva Los Carmenes on Saturday. However, they suffered a crucial blow when Thomas Pina was injured and he had to be stretched off the pitch. His partnership with Manu Garcia in the centre of the Alaves midfield had been very effective 
thus far, uh, but the perspective of the game really started to change from there. Whatever it was at Diego Martinez, uh, who was serving the last of his two-match touchdown ban, uh, whatever he said in the dressing room at halftime, it really did the trick for Granada. They stepped up their intensity and right from the very start of the second half were looking dangerous. Uh, the goal came very quickly after the restart. Uh, a great run from Victor Diaz down the right-hand side. A perfect cross uh, just at the right height for a diving header from Carlos Fernandez and Granada had the lead. Ten minutes later, they got a penalty. Soldado took responsibility and from the spot, he fired home with a plum. Along came another good centre from Victor Diaz and it was a great first touch from Yangel Herrera, dinking it past his marker and as he skipped round the defender, he smashed home his finish and almost took the skin off the ball as he fired it into the back of the net. 3-0 to, to the better Granada, it, it could have been 4-5 or 6. Um, Granada were creating halffuls of chances and were perhaps a little bit wasteful with the finishing towards the end of the game. But I think overall, 3-0 uh, was a fair reflection uh, of the game as it had panned out. It was another goal for Carlos Fernandez, a 23-year-old striker who's enjoying his first season in La Liga. How impressed have you been with him? This goal was the third goal of the season for Carlos Fernandez, and he's been quite an impressive player all, all through the season so far. Um, although, in fairness, he has missed a few sitters um, throughout the course of the season, so I think uh, scoring on Saturday against Alaves uh, will definitely be a big boost to his confidence. How necessary was this victory for Granada after a bad run of results? Well, definitely after a run of five games without a victory, it was important for Granada to win on Saturday against Alaves. Having lost four, drawn the one game against Atletico Madrid, um, I don't think Granada were completely uh, overawed in, in any of those games. Uh, however, the results count at the end and that's what, what matters most. Um, after having had the brief spell at the top of La Liga, and inside the top six, uh, I think that little run of uh, defeats and the draw was a reality check uh, for this season for Granada. Now, after this victory against Alaves, uh, they're on a run of games that are all winnable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they've got Levante at home next and Ibar away to, to finish off the year. Uh, and I think they're both winnable games. What are Granada's ambitions for the rest of the season? Diego Martinez and Granada are a match-by-match -match game, uh, very much. They don't like to look beyond, beyond the next game. Um, Granada fans have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the start of the season, the brief spell in the limelight, topping La Liga, um, which was actually for the very first time in the club's history. I know I've previously suggested that Granada could maybe push for Europe, and I do genuinely think that's still possible. Um, a lot will depend where they are uh, after 19 games in the midway point of the season uh, to give a better view towards that being a realistic possibility for this team. The realistic objective throughout, uh, right from the very start of the season, has always been about survival. Um, that's always what Diego Martinez has discussed in his press conferences. Anything beyond that really is a bonus. Thanks, Heath. Some really interesting stuff there about Granada and their latest chapter in their incredible start to the season. Although, we almost can't say start to the season now, can we? As we're 16 weeks into it. Of course, we'll be back next week at the same time to recap match day 17. 
For now, my thanks go out to all the contributors, to Alex Fitzpatrick, to Sam Leverage, to Roman de Arcaire, to Paco Pollitt and to Heath Chesters. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I thank you very much for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.